Hello. Welcome to Going Off Track. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Um, thanks, Brad. <laughs> As promised, I had an embarrassing dating story. And we're going to jump right into it. Let's jump into it. Uh, here's the thing. Uh, here's the thing. Jonah is a single, attractive, rocking dude living in Brooklyn, New York. Say no more. I don't like, so I don't really like talking about my personal life on the podcast, even though everyone else always wants to talk about it. Yeah, we're, we're all married, man. I know, I know. So here's the situation. I was out and, uh, man, I really hope this person doesn't listen to this. This is going to be very embarrassing. Uh, but, but basically like. Just be honest. Come on. Let it As like here. a music journalist, it's like, it's hard for me. I'm like sort of opinionated and it's hard for me to, uh, really, uh, like, um, hide my opinion if I like or don't like something. And so I was sat with someone and she was going to see this band that uh, I am not a fan of, but her and all of her friends are from her hometown. And I, I didn't really realize this. And they were going to the show after and she said something like, uh, we got drinks before. And then she was like, ah, we're going over the show now. Like, it's too bad. Like, I, I couldn't get you in, blah, blah, blah. I was like, you know what? Actually, it's fine. And like, could have totally left it at that. Instead, I was like, you know what? I got to say that not really my thing. And then uh, she's like, oh, yeah, blah, blah, I get that, blah, blah, blah. I was like, I was like yeah, I'm not into bands that use props. <laughs> and it was like, I think it sounded very dismissive. <laughs> like, I was, I was like, I like bands that sort of like, you know, like can just, you know, like put on a show with their instruments and they don't need like a bunch of like props and costumes and stuff. To me, that's like a little bit. Whatever. And then I kind of like, like in the back of my head, I was like, Jonah, just like let it go, man. <laughs> And I really, and then it sort of became this whole thing where like we met up with their friends and then they were like, we're excited for the show. And she's like, yeah, Jonah hates this band. And then like someone else came. And then I felt like I was just the guy shit talking the fun thing everyone was doing. (laughs) But not the party pooper. Yeah. And so that was me. And I I felt kind of bad, but I also was like, I'm, you know, like, like you can't also just like pretend you like everything. You know what I mean? Like at some point, like you have to just be like, you're talking, you're preaching to the choir here, baby. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I, I shoot my mouth off way too much. Yeah. Regarding stuff like that. Yeah. I Uh, get it. And speaking of, you know, who I wish I had with me was today's guest who is, I would say, writes about relationships a lot. It's a bit of an expert. He could have got your back. Could have got my back. Tim Casher, uh, been on the podcast before his, uh, latest solo album, No Resolution is out now. And he's uh, just finished the first leg of a U.S. tour. In May 26, he's starting back up. And he's doing the South, the East Coast. He's going to be playing New York June 3rd at the Knitting Factory. Um, doing a bunch of shows with Allison Weiss. And, uh, yeah, it should be really interesting. He's, uh, he also, you know, did, you know, this, this album, his latest album is going to be the soundtrack for a film that he's coming out. He's going to be screening. We talk about that a lot here. But, yeah, Tim, you know, obviously Cursive, The Good Life. And yeah, he's on tour now, solo tour. So definitely check that out. Check out his newest record. Um, on the live music front, Sam I Am. Also playing some shows. Did you know that, Brad? Sam I Am. Sam I Am. I want to go see him in Pennsylvania. We should go. Legendary it's like a beer show. fest or something? We should go. Yes, June 9th, Garwood, New Jersey at Crossroads. Um, I believe that is somewhere in New Jersey. Uh, you can check it out at Ticketfly. And yes, the show you're referring to, June 10th. They're headlining the Neshaminy Creek Brewery's five-year anniversary party. The free show on June 10th in Crichton, PA, and it's free. I, mean, I think that's a suburb of Philly. If that is, we should do a road trip, dude. Let's do it. The, right. um, they're also heading to Europe in July. Maybe we can go there. 
Let's do that too. Check out their Facebook page at Sandman Fancy. Free beer, free Sandman show. Sounds great. Tim Casher on tour now. No resolution out. Amazing dude. Let's get into it with Tim. Steven, how's it going with that mic over there? I'm getting it here. <laughs> we were just Drink. talking about the soundless room. Drink. And that the totally soundless room was... You can't stay in it for more than 10 or 15 minutes because you start hearing your blood and your heartbeat and weird stuff. And you start going crazy. I would feel like my tinnitus would just drive me insane. You I don't can, think I would do well. You can hear yourself age. Yeah. What's like the longest you think you could last? Tim, what do you well, think? You could... Plenty long, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, but you'd actually really enjoy it after a while. Um, <laughs> I oddly had uh, tinnitus last night after that hard and heavy uh, acoustic set. Isn't huh. that weird? That I was really weird. surprised by it. Was it when? When did you notice it? Uh, when you got home? Kind of that back? time that you do, like kind of like laying. Like it wasn't even like quite laying down in bed, but I kind of got back to where I'm staying, sat on the couch. And it was like kind of quiet enough in there. It's late at night. And uh, I was like, oh, shit. It must have just been uh, really crowds, you know, it like was, just like just like yeah. loud crowd of people. Yeah, we were not yeah. The, during the show, but just like we hung out for a while afterward. We did. Yeah. We, I saw Tim play last night. You knew pool. Right it was on. great. I hadn't seen you play solo acoustic in a really long time. Maybe that show you played with Steve Brodsky. Oh, right. Brooklyn, yeah. Um, but no, um. Uh, I'm oh, going to remind you uh, when you did stand up. Is it? Wait, what? Oh, right. When I did that beach slang yeah. thing? Yeah, you're right. I forgot about that. This is yeah. when you roasted beach slang? Yes, when I roasted mm-hmm. beach slang. I was part of that show. Yeah. Because I, I just came out and did like three shows with beach slang. What was like right. the highlight zinger of that roast? Because <laughs> I missed it. I was really nervous. Um,. What was a highlight singer? Did you I have said, any Weston ones? I said, yeah, I was just thinking that. Yeah, I had one. Vanessa helped me write it. I was like, <laughs> you almost got beat up after the show. I was, I was like, I was like, their most famous record is "Got Beat Up." Why? And if you look at James, you can see what it was named after. <laughs> I said it looked like he was the only rock star sponsored a clothing sponsorship from Oshkosh Bagash. That's right. That was a good one. A lot, a, good of, one. a lot of jokes about listening to records in your basement. They were really good sports. They were good. But yeah, <laughs> you played that show. And that mm. was really fun. And Tim, how do you feel like you would stomach a roasting? Yeah. You've never oh, asked me to roast you. No. Mm-mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think that they're just uncomfortable in general. Like, I don't, I'm like, I'm not comfortable watching them. That, yeah, those Comedy Central ones have gotten pretty And that brutal. one that you did, that wasn't even really, that was just yeah, stand up. That was, was just some, some like lighthearted ribbing. That's true. That's you true. You ever seen like the old historic ones? There's, there's this documentary series on cnn right now which is like the only good thing on that channel and it was it's about the history of comedy and it talks about how vaudeville was like super clean with stand-up but then the strip clubs was like where you could go off and this is where like lenny bruce red fox richard uh-huh. Pryor like would go crazy and then but all these vaudeville comics loved to get dirty so the roast the friars club was where they everybody could do it at all and apparently johnny carson just filthy yeah, like they loved you. It was like the one place where neither the Twain shall meet. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then every joke like revolved around Milton Berle's cock at some point. So, could that exist <laughs> anymore in the age of the video phone? 
Could you even get away with it? Because Carson would be too scared to tell those jokes because he uh, thinks someone was, I like it. Someone yeah. was sneaking on him. But I think that's okay. There's also, isn't there kind of like a code amongst comedians? I mean, that was like Bob Saget's whole thing. Right. It's like everybody knew he was filthy, but he could still do Full House. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was like, it was fine. I was like, well, no, he's a comedian. He's a really dirty comedian. Apparently Carson's or favorite not. joke. Maybe you're right. Or it could be that yeah. it's all become so hyper- uh, you know, in 2017, can't get away. Saget is doing Fuller House these days. Oh, that's true. <laughs> is Saget out there doing his? Probably not anymore. Crusty, crusty business. I don't think he can. Tim, I, I knew we were going to get to this, but ha- have you watched any Fuller House yet? I've watched all of them. Really? Yeah. Because when we had Kyle Mooney on the podcast, he was like, he was like, if you watch it and think of like it as like an Adult Swim show, it's sort of amazing. <laughs> he was like. Wait, I know nothing about it. Are we talking Candace Cameron? Yeah, cool yeah. Gay, it's like a the full reboot. Cast? Netflix did without the Olsons, but without I think the, oh, they, they wouldn't do it. Swing the Olsons. That's no. just because no. they're dripping in cash. Yeah, but I think yeah, everyone else it. did it, and I think they're somehow above it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, literally, it's like it's like. <laughs> How can you be bougie about it when you were literally like they did nothing to earn that role? You know, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, it's true. They showed they up. was born cute, and yeah. then they got on a show. They're born monkeys. so that sense of entitlement. When I feel like they should almost be like, you know what, we we got lucky, like in the game of life. Yeah, because their parents trademarked them and then made straight to DVD movies. Yeah. All yeah. they had to do was like not fall and hurt themselves, so they're not cute anymore. That was their only responsibility. Stay yeah. away from it's the like, stove. Oh, is, this sh- is this shooting schedule interfering with your coloring? Exactly. Like, yeah, what <laughs> else are you doing? Nothing. So I'm, I'm actually finding their being off Fuller House a little reprehensible. Uh, I feel like they owe it to us. Johnny, were you at Fuse when Judy Sweeten was there? No. Oh, okay. I was pretty excited. I worked with her for a little while. You did? Yeah. And she was hilarious. I feel like I like her. Yeah, she's she's a lot of fun. She's uh, the friend across the street. No, no, no. no she's, she's the sister. Uh, she's uh, uh, Stephanie. Tim? Yeah, Stephanie. Yeah, yeah. So she worked for a little bit. And no, DJ. Wait, no, Candace Cameron's DJ. It's DJ. Text Vanessa. No, I'm. It's Stephanie. <laughs> it definitely is. It is. I think so. Okay. Yeah. I think it is. <laughs> she was cool. She hosted Pants Off Dance Off. Remember that show? Yes. No. Oh God, it was the stupidest show. It was like people just. Getting naked to videos. The dumbest. So, do you want to hear something grody about me in Fuller House? Yes, yes. please. Yes. I didn't even watch, I didn't even watch Full House growing up. <laughs> How did you start? Wow. I, I was like, what is this Fuller House? This seems pretty cool. <laughs> so you had no context on it. I had a little, con- a I little mean, context. I have like the context of like, I grew up in America. <laughs> okay, okay. So you were aware of it, but never watched it really. Uh, yeah, just like, really, yeah. Just it like was like, s- it missed my like bracket. So what drew, bracket you, what drew of. you to Fuller House? Yeah. Uh, just boredom or <laughs> yeah yeah okay well and, and what's, so i'm married and we watch a lot of like really pretty much the really we try we seek out the really bad stuff we watch a lot of lifetime movies okay mm. and she did watch full full house and so i it, i was just like was this something are we fuller house is happening soon is that what does that mean she's <laughs> like oh it means we're watching it for sure i was on board i didn't fight it yeah <laughs> It wow. is. I, Mooney probably puts it well. It is like this weird. It's kind of wild. It's a little wild. Yeah, maybe I should watch it's a it. Sitcom. It's like actually yeah. a sitcom. The way is it live audience? Is it that? Yeah, I think yeah. Maybe yeah. <laughs> as far as we can be led to believe, it's a live audience. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure it's a live audience. Who were the new like 
do Stephanie and DJ Tanner and stuff have kids now? They sure and do. They have like Darn cute, cute. <laughs> yeah, like little. Are they cute? cute? Yeah, they're cute as a button. Yeah. They're really cute. What's Maybe Stamos not Olsen is... twin cute, but they're darn darn yeah, darn sure, cute. Sure. Huh. There is one, and I just wish I could remember his name right now, just to really like push my Fuller House cred. But sure. There's this kid. And he says holy chalupas a lot. <laughs> they um they're really pushing just as you would, you know, they're pushing that catchphrase. Because I know, even not watching Full House the first time around, I know what cut it out means. Again, right. like sure. I grew up in America. You, you know? need the catchphrase. Yeah, and um how would. I know how would. <laughs> what was what were your kind of sitcoms growing up? What were the ones that you were really into? Uh Three's Company, which I still love. Nice. Three's Company's great. Yeah. I had a great this is a good um this is a good tale of being um, a good tale of being growing up and uh, going to Catholic schools. Um, is uh, there was uh, you know a priest came in one day. Every now and then a priest would come in and teach religion class. And the trick this priest pulled on me specifically, I didn't realize that at the time, but said, "Everybody write down like what's your favorite show." Everybody write down your favorite show, and then we go through one at a time. Everybody's like saying, and it's Little House on the Prairie. And stuff like that. Like, that was a popular show. And it got to me, and I said, not Three's Company, I said Three's a Crowd, because that was like what was happened. That was like. You go for all the sequels first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, no, that Did was you see just... Phantom Menace before Empire, or how did that work? <laughs> <laughs> and I haven't seen Empire yet. But, um, <laughs> uh, but, you know, as I said, Three's a Crowd, and, and, uh, everyone went, ooh. Really? And the priest singled oh. me out and said, see, kids, this is the type of show you shouldn't be watching. Because they were living together unmarried. Yeah, or oh, it's just this racy. And yeah, I guess or whatever was happening. Yeah, I mean, just two ladies in a Well, Three's Company guy, is yeah. he pretended to be a homosexual. Yeah, it's just it's like racy, joke. bad stuff that kids shouldn't be watching. But yeah. I was so like thrown under the bus. The, it was really rude. Yeah. So I remember it. I still remember it. It was rude. Yeah, that is What if rude. they're right and it did contribute to your, your alternative lifestyle through life and you wouldn't even know? You know? How the fuck would he know? The, <laughs> well, you the, wouldn't. That's what I'm saying. I remember. Maybe they're right this whole time. Maybe I used to all hit. of us would be super squeaky clean people if it wasn't for our 80s and I late appreciate. 70s I, appre- I appreciate the advocacy, but uh, no, never trust someone who's celibate. I Jesus to, Christ! I used to um, hate that show, Mama's Family, so much. That when it yes. came on, I would just start crying. Oh. When like the theme song came on, I would just burst into tears. The power of Vicky Lawrence <laughs> would tear you up. I wasn't allowed to watch G.I. Joe hmm. and oh. anything with violence. Hmm. And I wasn't allowed to have water guns and stuff like that. I couldn't watch all those awesome shows where people got blown up. I could, And I'm totally averse to it now. So I, there's something to it, man. indoctrinated me. But maybe the right way. I'm not yeah, sure. It seems a little extreme, but it's. I wouldn't be opposed to if any of you parenting right now said that that's what you did with your kids. It's one of those things. Guns guns aren't cool. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. I found it extreme too. And then I grew up and was like, yeah, it's extreme, but I don't know. There's other kinds of extreme that could have been way more detrimental. Well, and there's other, and there's also the converse extreme that can happen as a result of that. Like the kid who in my class, um, Brent, who was not allowed to eat candy at all. And so when he found candy or was given candy, he freaked out and just like shoved. I would see him just shoving like M&Ms in his mouth. So you could have like become a gun, a gun-toting crazy person. Been shoving bullets in your mouth. Yeah. How do you guys know Just shooting guns <laughs> in your mouth. <laughs> so. uh, 
So what what's sort of like the the pyro budget and that kind of stuff for your film? Is there a lot of a lot of, a lot of shootouts? <laughs> yeah, a lot of explosions. Yeah, there are. Tim lots made a of film that's coming out soon. Um, Where's the film coming out? Um, well, I'm going to take it around the country myself later this year. This is my form of self-distribution. I'll no, uh, Kevin no one, Smith, Crispin Glover. Yeah, no one can stop me. No. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to take it around myself and uh, and then after that, um, you know, put it out onto like Amazon and iTunes and stuff like that. And I haven't really like selected you're gonna, you're gonna do the full. Uh, you're gonna do like the experience of you get to hang with me afterwards and do a little Q and A and <laughs> do like maybe a VIP package. Of- Some people. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what Kevin Smith did with um, uh, Red Scare. He just toured it himself mm-hmm. and then said, "I'm gonna hang out and tell stories for some of the cast. Talk, you know, right? Like a little mini Comic Con." Well, what I am going to do, I am going. I do hope to. Um, I want people to see the movie and I want people to see it like as a captive audience, like publicly in a public space versus um like your couch you know just because that's my preference because i'm I, I love going and seeing the movies I, I i like it to be an event um so i am going to go to all of i'm going to tour it myself and then like do a q a and then do a play a show afterward that's great so that's my motivation how long have you had the idea for a film in your head uh for a long time i've been writing them for 10 years now and i've kind of and gone through like ups and downs of like trying to get them made and then them falling through. And so this was the first time where I finally, and where I finally was just like, I really need to just do this myself and, um, you know, like funding it myself. It's so you can, as you can imagine, it's low budget. Um, but you know, I mean, it's a real crew mm-hmm. and is a really my apartment, <laughs> you know, where I shot, uh, but that's kind of, I mean, frankly, I think I probably could have, I maybe could have had like, a handful of movies under my belt already if i would have just done this from the get-go mm. uh because this was the same attitude i had 10 years ago when i started writing scripts it was i wrote scripts that were intentionally low budget that i knew i could handle myself uh but then they would just get uh, uh they would get tied up in a positive way they'd get tied up with people who were interested and excited about it and they'd be like oh we're gonna find some money we're gonna you know we'll find some real money for you and we'll uh, we're gonna produce this we're gonna get a proper cast and and you whenever you hear that you're like well that's that's great that sounds potentially great uh but i would i, I just want to make sure it gets made right and uh, and then then they would never get made they would get lofted up so much and then fall through and I'd left be left with nothing, and so I this so this time around, I was like, I can't let that happen again. Do you ever get? I mean, obviously, you guys have cursive as a song, art is hard. I mean, do you ever get discouraged by how little of like the artistic process seems to be actually making art, and how much of it is like all this other bullshit that takes up so much of your time? <laughs> uh, it takes up a ton of my time because I do so most everything myself. I mean, it's the way a, a lot of us are, you know, right? Because it's yeah, I mean so much of it is it's uh, just a bit you know like the boring parts of like oh like running a band is a small business <laughs> and you just started a record label I'm a small label. business owner yeah and it's a yeah it's a band and a record label and, what keeps uh, you like from just being like I'm just not gonna get out of bed today I don't wanna deal with all this stuff 
Well, it's I, well, I should say it's like because it's really never that bad. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably why. <laughs> but I get frustrated sometimes. I mean, because I mean, yeah, I mean, if I could just live like a totally pampered, spoiled existence, I would just get up and only have my only responsibility would be to play guitar and to to write scripts. But there's a lot of other stuff that's to play at play too. But not that much. I do live a pretty pampered existence. Frankly. Do you like living in LA? I do. Yeah, a lot, yeah. Whereabouts? Uh, I'm in Silver Lake. All right. It's a lot of it's been a lot of fun, and that's another. If we're talking about pampered existences, my experience there is so unique because uh, I work from home and I live in a neighborhood that I can get around really easily. So I just ride my bike around. I'm not that far from. Maybe we talked about that last night a little bit. I'm not far from the train, and the train actually does go some places. Yeah, it's a lot different from. I know you spent some time in Montana and grew up mm-hmm. in Nebraska and stuff. Is like the idea of like living in LA, being in like downtown, being able to walk places and just like, is that just a nice feeling at this point? Or is it something you look for like in your life now? Like that's a good way to put it. Cause it actually, it absolutely is. I think that, uh, yeah, I just got, despite touring all the time and always being tra- you know, traveling in, in vans, I still, I just don't like, I don't care for cars. And I I love not having a car. I love to not get in cars if I don't have to. And LA is the wrong city for that, yeah, obviously. I was gonna say, yeah. <laughs> but but I'm making it work okay. So yeah, that, that neighborhood is. I mean, you could. I lived out there, mm-hmm. and, and that's exactly why I, li- I lived in Los Feliz a thousand years ago. And I was mm-hmm. like, shoot, I can, Trader Joe's is right here. I can go home. It's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I'm just kind of down the street from there. I'm down Hillhurst becomes mm-hmm. virtual. So oh, yes. and I'm just down at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Of, uh, Thomas Star King Middle School. I used to teach there. Oh yeah, all right. Oh, yeah. You taught? Yeah, man. What'd you teach? I was a sub, so I was. So I you was, taught it all. So sandwich making. Taught it all. <laughs> yeah, buddy. <laughs> so many. That torpedoes. Good. Thank you. Thank that you. Was good. <laughs> and he's here, ladies and gentlemen. Oh my god! Put that I, one on the board. Um, I just heard yesterday, Jonah, that the chicken they use at Subway is forty-two percent meat. I saw an article about that today. Forty-two, which means it's almost vegetarian. That's awesome. Yeah. About. I think that we should all just champion that. Like, <laughs> Why not? Fine. Oh, dude, are you, did did you like it before? <laughs> yeah. If you liked it, then it's fine. Yeah. I was listening to my friend's podcast today, Kissing Contest, and all the guys um, tried to eat twenty Taco Bell tacos throughout. <laughs> throughout, they spent a hundred dollars at Taco Bell. Okay, and they were talking about the meat in there, and they were like, "Growing up, we heard it was just like powder that you used to pour water into, and it turned into meat." That doesn't seem like it is. Yeah. That doesn't oh, yeah. seem possible. Yeah. That's how everything at Taco Bell comes. It comes like freeze dried. But how? they have to like. Even add. the meat? No, I didn't know the meat, but I know <laughs> the beans. Really? Like that. Um, I know. I mean, have you ever seen the guac, like the caulking guns? No. That the guac. Oh, yeah. 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 Come out of, yeah. You know? The guacking guns. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was, yeah. Wow. That was a very joke. You've been. Too much time with Jonah. I I, I learned from That's the master. An old man joke. I like um, that. It was Arby's for me. That was the story, and I think that also is true. My impression is that Arby's beef roast beef comes like it's a pink liquid or something. Oh, like really? That. Yeah. And then it forms. They like, flatten in a flat iron. I think they. Like you know, it's called Arby's. One of my favorite dumb facts. You know, they I, took no. some flack for Arby it. Arby roast beef. Ooh. 
I like Take that, that one. Arby's. Deposit it. Or pull it out when you uh, need it. Apparently, I, I actually read they took a lot of flack for this fake meat pink slime thing and came out about how real their meat is. Ooh. A lot of places got hit with the whole pink slime thing. And I'm someone who regularly shoves Wendy's chicken things in my child's mouth because that's the only chicken, <laughs> quote unquote, chicken she'll eat. Okay. I'm like, well, it's something. I'm trying. <laughs> Tim, are you pretty healthy these days? I mean, I imagine since you're on the road less, maybe it's probably you're not just at rest stops all the time. Uh, I and I oddly probably eat better on the road. Really? If I think I okay, I probably because I'm surrounded by people better than myself who insist on going to Whole Foods. Mm-hmm to uh do salad bar and okay. so and i appreciate it yeah and so i eat, you know so i eat better as a result so you pay for it and that'll be 46 dollars. yeah i know God, it's rough fuck them. some i was uh wondering about to completely change topics but we've talked a lot on this podcast before about like almost how jonah and i grew up in these like very specific scenes in like cleveland and new jersey and these hardcore scenes and the stuff that came out of there was very unique to the region it was in and like the Omaha scene and the Saddle Creek thing was like I think a benchmark for that for a lot of people like just wow there's this scene where all these people are coming out of they all work together they plan their records and I know a lot of people were trying to do that almost model it off of it but the thing we've talked about a lot is basically the question I'm getting to do you think the Omaha scene and the thing you guys created is possible today in the world of social media and home recording and the fact that these local scenes are less created from the ground up and people are so much faster to leave their scenes and create other things and maybe not feed off each other as much. Like, do you think what happened there is even possible anymore? Uh, I don't know. That's a yeah. I, I wasn't sure where you're going with it. Now I now I understand. It's a long way that, there. Sometimes <laughs> that yeah. So it's like kind of a. Pro, it's it, it can be like what can be a problem with yeah with the internet bringing us all closer, maybe globally. But then what happened to the village? Like maybe we're losing losing the village as a result. Um, it's like you can now just email an idea to somebody and go expound on this. And email back, yeah, and, and not leave your house. And also, maybe you're, maybe um, we are a group of twenty-year-olds, and we're doing a band, and like one of our closest, you know, colleague peer bands is uh, across the country in Seattle. Mm-hmm. It's like why, how? It's like well, because the internet just kind of brings us is bringing us closer together, and maybe that's fine too. Maybe that's good too. Maybe that's maybe that older. <clears throat> excuse me. Maybe that. Old, maybe that model that Saddle Creek ended up being is going to be found in a different model. Like, in a, maybe there's like newer internet models that will that are going to like pop up. That will be like, oh, you know, the so and so scene. It's like that Seattle band, that Missoula band, the uh, Sarasota band, right, or something like that. Yeah, but I, I feel remember, like oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Oh, I just remember being really <clears throat> confused when Saddle Creek. Like when they started signing bands from outside of Omaha, it was like Rilo Kylie and then all mm-hmm. these other bands. And then I remember being like, oh, I thought this was like this local label and all the bands here are so awesome. But now I remember it being confusing because for so long it seemed like it was such an insular thing. 
Yeah. I probably shouldn't totally speak on their behalf, but I think that they never wanted to be. I think it was like local by way of this is who, these are the people that we know and these are the people that would allow us to put their albums out. Yeah. But I think they were, I want to say I think they were kind of excited about branching out. I'm sure. And I remember in that document, did you ever see the documentary? Mm -hmm. I remember there was sort of being this scene about like you, you and Connor sort of like not being in competition with each other, but sort of like having kind of, you'd put out a record then he would. I mean, do you still, do you still feel like stay up on what those people do or feel like you're inspired by them or are you kind of more like everyone's kind of grown and you know it's i think it's really unfortunate to say that that this is i think this is all and this is it's not like it's awful to admit but it's awful to feel this that that inspiration plateaued somewhere along the way Mm -hmm. and that sucks yeah and that's back to like the idea of like the village and you know like that's we all kind of grew up and grew out of it. And uh, I think about it sometimes because I think, you know, it's like, well, am I not? So that that, that conversation, just to kind of like uh, build on that a little bit, is that's we all talked about that back in the day, that that's what we did. It, was, it wasn't really competition, but it, I mean, it kind of was, but it was like 100% positive competition of right. uh, Lullaby for the Working Class would put a new record out and we'd be like, oh, that's amazing. And we joke around and be like, we got to do a record that good now. Right. And so, like, the next person would, you know, and the next thing yeah, would but happen. But that's not and, a joke, is it? Like, yeah. I mean, I remember being in those similar situations. And even though, like, you're rubbing elbows with your friends, you're like, all right, we got to beat this record. Yeah. Like, you actually mean it, right? Like, you really yeah, do like, want to beat that record. Yeah, like, you beat it or at least just be like, there is a standard that is being be set good. here. <laughs> yeah. And sure. if you're not meeting yeah. the standard, then you're letting your friends sure. down. You're letting yourself down. And that that kind of spirited competition is like was really healthy. Totally. And so we did all kind of like let each other be like we let ourselves be very influenced uh, from each other, but maybe just maybe not so specifically by chording and melody. I think that just kind of happens like homogeneously, you know, homogeneously, homogeneously, but. But maybe by that standard, you know, what we that subjective standard that we felt like was being set, mm-hmm. that we felt like we had to do. But yeah, again, sadly, I don't have that with, I don't have that with anybody anymore. Or I don't, or you can't have that your whole life. Maybe no, that's maybe like that's yeah. I think that's, yeah. You've, grown, you've yeah. grown up, Tim. Yeah, you've right. Kind of yeah. like yeah. You just kind of go like, okay, I guess this is just how and I now write music. It's, now it's but but like what Benny's saying. Now I think it's going to be interesting. It's like is it's a. Uh, we 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 met on this chat page. You know what I mean? Like it's going to be groups of people who who find you find like-minded folks, right? Throughout the well, and globe. I I believe that's even the danger of it. I mean, we could talk. It's a long conversation politically about the fact that how like-minded people found each other on the internet is certainly one of the reasons we're in the landscape we're in yeah. right now. Yeah, but then that falls um, into that whole big data thing where now people have found out how to target it. You know what I mean? Well, right. Well, the thing, the point I was making is if if you had these scenes, right, and automatically it's like, okay, oh, you sound like this, so now you're going to get paired with this band from Seattle that sounds like this, instead of what you're talking about, which is like, we're a bunch of people who just live in this area. We're not going anywhere yet because mm-hmm. it's really hard to get out of your town for a while. And that's why we're going to like, 
oh, I'm going to play this. I'm going to play this. We're going to be in the same show. We're going to be in the same bar. We're going to be in the same place. And there is something organically that happens from that that I fear is is going to go away. But it's also not our wheelhouse anymore. It might be happening. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, it, right. and I'm sure it is. Maybe it's not. Maybe we're holding on to the impossible past. I, I feel like there's... I am. And maybe this, maybe this is too big a city to be comparable, but I've been excited slash trying to keep my keep my ear on um, like Philadelphia, and it feel you know it feels like there's been a lot of excitement like sure. brimming, um, and ba- some of my favorite bands have then you know the bands are just feel so big now, but like Hop Along and Beach Slang were yeah, not big bands mm-hmm. two it's- years ago, you know. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff going on. Dan Ozzy did that article about all the bands in Philly. Yes. They were all, I, don't, I was like, I had no idea. went through all great. Yeah. That yeah. Some good ones. It's nice to hear about scenes. You know? it, yeah, and it seems like, it sounds like it was like a lot of positivity and a lot of friends and a lot yeah. of doing shows together. They've got a good base there. Like the, the Union, the R5 guys we've had on, like um, mm-hmm. Union Transfer, it's very, this is what we're doing. I'm from Northern Virginia, mm-hmm. so it reminds me of... Like the 80s, where it's like, this is where these shows are, and this is where this happens. They're not where you think they are. To to kind of throw, I've talked about Sean Agnew and R5 um, in a lot of conversations like this. I think it's like nice to mention uh, how important a great promoter can be to cultivate a scene. And it's not just a matter, it's not just a matter of, oh, he brought in a lot of, you know, like he brought in a lot of cool bands that we got to see. It's like, because a great, if a great promoter who really cares can, is bringing all those shows in, that promoter, said promoter is also then kind of like bringing all that influence in yeah, and all those ideas. And that's like, so all of those younger musicians, they're taking all, sure. I mean, you know, it all works. It's like an ecosystem. Yeah, you're harvesting a local scene. Yeah. Even local bands opening those shows and being on those shows. Yeah. Promoters sure. being overlooked. The overlooked heroes of, yeah, of, yeah. of oh, certain... The, that's a good, good promoter. A good promoter. Yeah, you know it's I mean? very key. It's a good promoter. Uh, we, in Omaha, there's uh, Mark Leibowitz and Jim Johnson and these guys like worked really tirelessly for years and years um, just trying to build something and it was just like uh, and now that's their, you know, like their small empire in Omaha. They're doing great. But for the longest time, it was just... Are those after- the guys who do the slowdown? It's not actually. They do oh. waiting room. Oh, it's okay. another another room out there, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it was it was after work and on weekends for the longest time, never making any money, but just loving music and loving being a part of the community, and they've done a great job. Yeah, I don't think I could ever do that. I feel like I'm just not Me good, neither. good at dealing with money. And I feel like <laughs> no. that would be really hard. Well, you're also doing something like you and, you know, we're just joking, but it's true. It's like a good promoter. Dude. And it's like, cause it's a thankless yeah. job. It's mostly a thankless job. And, you know, I don't know. Be, you can probably even be accused of like being a sycophant or something or just like, right, dude, right. I was just, I was just, I just learned about like the history of Bill Graham and like where he came from and how it mm-hmm. started. Like no idea, like escaped the Holocaust at age 11, like before he even got to the states mm-hmm. fake then, news bro hmm? fake news oh that's true you're right it's totally fake you didn't <laughs> do that at all but like he he tells this story about how he the one of the reasons he he changed the game was that he had a partner uh, i think his name was chet helms and how he was he asked a certain group like hey can i just have can i be exclusively like your promoter can i just do that no one had ever done it before 
And he got up early in the morning to call, and then his partner got really angry at him. I heard this on the Dana Goldauer podcast. He said his partner got really pissed off and said, I can't believe you did that. And he said, well, the only way you would find out is if you would call and try to do the same thing. So get up mm. earlier. <laughs> and then from there, it like broadened and like his like, like Live Nation bought out his company after he passed away. Like everything has changed in that. And that's, and they're like, you know, an empire that's great if you're huge, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I mean, that's another point of why someone like Sean Agnew is so important. Yeah. I mean, literally, if those holdouts weren't still around, mm-hmm. I mean, it would be like, Every tour brought to you by Live Nation at the House of yep. Blues in every city in America. It would be the most boring shit. Dude, I've been like, in there. I've been in there, the, the, the Live Nation headquarters. And um, no, if you can imagine it floating. They have a, in the don't sky they have a venue in there? Lasers, or am I thinking like, of like Clear Channel? Each floor is devoted to an artist. So when I was there working, each floor I was has on the one Shakira artist f- caged behind yeah, the front desk. <laughs> <laughs> an old former 70s, 80s artist. They're paid. Yeah. A living yeah. wage. I wonder why you haven't seen Santana page. in a while. Yeah. He's there. there what are you doing? Fourth floor. So yeah. each, each, each. It's pretty smooth. Each. Hey. Each. Dude, I was just talking about smooth with my sister. You know, that's like the most popular song of all time or something. No. It's Stop like. It. It's, it's in the bear household. I, no. I was, I was on the smooth Wikipedia page and I was like, this song is like the biggest song ever or something. Your weekly, Wait, tell your, us why you were on the your smooth Your weekly check-in with the smooth page. Wikipedia page. I don't know. If you saw my internet history, it would just terrify you and confuse you. <laughs> um Tim, uh, what was it? <laughs> I really want to get the subject off me. Uh, Deflect. What, what was what was it like? So you played last night. Strong journalism. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what uh, was it? The first I'd imagine it was the first time you played a lot of those no resolution songs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it always a weird feeling playing songs for the first time live? Like, are you scared you're going to forget lyrics? Absolutely. Yeah. Do you have cheat sheets? No, I don't. But I do have a lot of anxiety dreams in my life of not being prepared. <laughs> and I was really proud of myself by the end of that set that I I rehearsed the songs and memorized the lyrics well enough to get through 98% of it. Yeah, it was great. Thanks. How are you? Um, I, I noticed on the record there's quite a bit of string and key arrangements on the record. How are you doing that live this time? Uh, so last night I just played totally solo um i'm going to europe next week and that's a place where i don't make very much money but i am still bringing a cellist with me just to help with some of that accompaniment okay uh, so that's like really spare but it's nicer than it's it's a little something uh the touring we're doing uh in the states this like in the coming months uh it's uh a string duo Oh, cool. So cello and violin, so at least we can capture the harmonies. And on um, keys, the doubles is like in vibraphone and trumpet okay. and uh, percussion. What was it like with the cello parts on the ugly organ? Were those written by you guys? Or were the How did that work? Uh, Greta, Greta, that we, it was her. That's the way we've always, that we do it with cursive and the way I do it with Good Life too was kind of give people like their... Like that's your okay department. So yeah, that was she. That was her. So you're not like you're not like I want you to play this. I want you to play this. Or depend- it depends. Yeah, yeah. You have to go song by song. Yeah, I mean yeah. some of it is me too. But right, right. But I don't want to like discredit that she she brought a lot totally, to the table totally. as well. 
They said you're going to Europe, and it, it's not not a big money maker for you, which leads me to I listen to the record um, on the AV Club. Hey. It's like my favorite website in the me world. Me too. I go to it too often. <laughs> All, too often. I'm like, why is it Newswire refreshed yet? <laughs> yeah. Someone must tell me something I don't know. Dopamine. Dopamine. They come up with just such great articles. They, they, it's like they. It's like they know me so well. It's it, literally. It's everything. And I've I've uh, I'm full on into the cultivation of of other of experts and. Growing up, who'd have thought I would watch a TV show and then wait for the review and then read it and see? I did not see that stray observation. <laughs> You're such a Thank you. Nerd. <laughs> so no, I'm fucking nerd. It's like Supergirl. What? Of course, it's John Jones, Martian Manhunter, doy. But how do you choose? Um, like you know, you got your own label now, and I think it's fascinating that they say stream the whole album right here. You know, uh-huh. so yes, I listened to it. I have not purchased it yet, but I, li- I listened to the whole thing and enjoyed it. But like, what, is that? What's that process of thinking? How am I going to market my art now in this world that anybody can grab it for free? Mm-hmm. This is going to be an angle I'm going to um, choose. Yeah, uh, I I wish someone would tell me. <laughs> I, uh, I, well, you're on labels first step. Uh, I suppose. Maybe. I mean, it's, but there's still, it's, it's every, the, this question is also complicated. I feel it's complicated, complicated. I feel because every year feels a little bit different. Yeah. Uh, every album I put out for the last, maybe, I don't know, for a while now, the climate has changed a little bit. Like the, you know, just like the demographics have changed and the billboard has changed, billboard has changed. And, you know, it's it's very odd. And so you just kind of try to keep up with it. But as a label, now that we have, uh, now that we've started our own label, um, it's not, it's, it's not, it can't be about money making. It's just about owning your own stuff and kind of doing it yourself. Uh, but, and I think it's about reaching out to like-minded individuals because, and I can't, sadly, I think I can't even talk about for everybody on the label, but I personally... Just so everybody knows out there, I was putting my hand up to my <laughs> to my mouth as if I was telling a Everyone secret that I shouldn't be saying. Heard nothing. <laughs> I, yeah. heard nothing. This is oh, this is just between us now, okay? And then he tilted his sombrero and smiled. <laughs> Fashion choice. Um, but I still, uh, I'm, I, I still love to buy records. Like I love to buy records, and it some probably has to do with my age a little bit, and uh, I'm probably kind of like outmoded. But it's important to me, and I like to participate. I like the process of it. And uh, so you're trying to reach out to those like-minded people who also like to do that. But aren't we also trying to um, maybe entice or encourage other people (laughs) who don't? You know, it's like, hey, if this is really, you know, if you're listening to this on Spotify consider having your copy of your own or something you know i mean i don't think i've ever said that other than i just said it just now <laughs> but that's kind of what you want too just because you are a small business right i can't sit here and pretend like i want people to just listen to things on spotify dude you know, i remember it's I remember. like i but i be but i appreciate people listening to things on spotify it's like become this whole we've been we've and we've been getting beaten down for year like year after year yeah i when spotify first came around i was very vocal of like fuck these guys Same. who the fuck are they and why are we doing this and it was like well what oh everyone's doing it yeah okay i guess i have to do it too taylor's not doing it <laughs> yeah but but she has the option i mean that's where you know any artist who's not selling a million copies of their record 
right now is just straight up shooting themselves in the foot to not put <laughs> yeah. yourselves on Spotify. Like, it's cool to hang by your principles, broke as mm-hmm. fuck. <laughs> but if you want, like, four people to come to your show and buy a t-shirt, you better be on Spotify because that's how yeah. they're all listening to it. And, like, what are you going to yeah. do? And that's like, and again, and it really, that is, like, that's what I was saying, what, I don't know, 10 years ago now, seven years ago, eight years ago, whatever. But it's like, we do, my, my point, I guess I'm making is that I'm, like, very normally, like, we work with Spotify now. You know, like, they are, like, associates, I don't, and I don't mean it in some pissy backhanded way. Mm-hmm. It's just that every year that goes by, every album I release, it just seems like we're getting, you have to get closer and more accepting of the fact that this is a streaming world and that's how music is listened to now. And, uh, and you, ju- you just adjust. And maybe that's You the have trick, to. Right? Am I going to not adjust? You know? yeah. yeah, exactly. And, I, and maybe that's the trick to all of it is that they created something knowing that it was going to be the standard and I think it's just the person who can foresee what the new standard is who's going to stay ahead of the game, you know? Mm-hmm. And and it, it is. It's like I, I go through the same thing. Like you, you keep thinking you're getting your hands on the pulse of what's happening and just every year it changes. Every year certain labels get worse, radio gets worse, all these things get worse. And then who the fuck knows where it is now, right? Maybe we should just, uh, I think the future is going to be like 30 second ad spots before every song on a record, you know, (laughs) like just sell 20 seconds before your song starts to Hyundai Mm -hmm. for, I don't know, hundred grand. Am I underselling it? More? <laughs> it's it's Hyundai. I did a project integration with Hyundai. Oh, Hyundai? I don't know if you saw this. It's me Hyundai. Vanessa did a sorry. We, did, we shot these, <laughs> web, these sound advice series in LA and we had to do, and we talked about it before, but we had to, it was fine. We had to do these integrations with a car. So we had to write short commercials with Vanessa's character using this uh, Hyundai Veloster, I think is what it was called. That's not a thing. <laughs> Is that how you say that? I'm getting so schooled I, on yeah, words. I got, I got corrected. I was definitely just like Bellow Star or I, I something, I got corrected right? so many times. Jeez. Uh, but, uh, you know, I did a Hyundai commercial years ago for the Santa Fe, and we had to say Hyundai the whole time. What? Really? Yeah. Wow. I kept, I, so, they kept telling me Hyundai. Getting so thick. thick. Yeah. But it's it was it was challenging. It's challenging to make <laughs> make something, like make art around like a product, for sure, and not make it seem super forced but also not to make it seem like super sarcastic too yeah. like like, it's, you know, like it's, 30 rock did a good job of that but like everyone can't do that dude it's like mm-hmm. pbs pbs it's it's as i watch a lot of fucking pbs <laughs> from 6 a.m to 5 30 p.m it's all children's programming <laughs> and before every single show is now it's not just brought to you by blah blah blah. It's commercials, and these commercials are like United Healthcare, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all these things, Sandals Beach Resorts for Sesame Street. Like it's all this kind of stuff, and it's all wow. we're giving you this money to create this thing that goes back. And I think about how, like, well, where does that money go, and how does that pay for children's workshop, Sesame Workshop, all that stuff? Like, where does it go to spread to spread out? And then what happened with Sesame Street, who did this business model forever? Yeah. HBO. Uh, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like that's oh, because trickle down economics don't work. They don't work. That's bullshit. But like I remember Darren, uh, Darren from Jade Tree. Um, is, we have a good mutual friend, and he said to him one time, "It's like I'm never worried about. I was never worried about the bands and the labels. I was always worried about the fact that I have people who work for me that have health care insurance." Mm. 
mm-hmm. and that's where he's like that's where my brain went right Tim, if you had a choice of any <laughs> company to sell a 30 second spot before a song comes, oh man oh. i'm talking we can't say like some cool company it's gotta be someone with big money it has to be a little bit uncool have to yeah. be netflix for fuller house wouldn't it wouldn't that happen <laughs> Netflix is it's a great choice already because yeah. I really I, like Netflix so much. Okay, and they, was, don't, and they don't really need ads; they're doing. Fun. I've been thinking about Netflix even just as we've been talking about. There's because you obviously the obvious correlation of music and film is as far as streaming goes, and how we can and any of us musicians here can be like, oh, geez, music, what happened to it? It's become debased, but we all love Netflix and yeah, all yeah. Of, like whatever you know, <laughs> like it's like you know, I mean, I. I do. Re- I respect I'm not what's one going of those on with streaming. Like, yeah, I don't complain all that much about it. I and, and I, I don't, and I really don't at all stuff. anymore either. This really, really is do. kind of like about the last ten years, yeah. And like that, <laughs> like the the shit. doling that we've all had to go through. You know, is it hard to get your movie on Netflix? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. I've, as far as like filmmaker friends that yeah. I have, it, I'm not planning on getting mine onto Netflix. No. What about like I'll try. The- I mean, I'll try just for the hell. What of about it. on demand? Like those I kind of- also was hoping to do some kind of AOD thing, and I think that might not be quite as easy as I thought. Mm-hmm. But I'm uh, what I'm looking forward to is the potential of uh, um, is as Amazon um, mm-hmm. being they're being incredibly. I don't know what's going on behind you know behind these decisions, but they're being or maybe I shouldn't be so conspiratorial, <laughs> but they are being really supportive of uh independent film uh it's really impressive i would worry right it, it seems yeah. like kind of it, and, 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 I, well well no don't you don't you <laughs> wouldn't it isn't it suggestive of because then i then somebody like myself turns around and talks to everybody about how i just i mean uh, what a pitch i just gave for amazon i guess exactly. but i don't you know PR it's thing. like these guys are pretty good guys you know <laughs> <I don't- laughs> I don't understand. They do own the Washington Post. We need these long hairs advocating for us. How can we do it? I don't, <laughs> I don't understand why companies like Amazon even advertise anymore. Like stuff like that, where you're like, everyone knows what this is. Like these why doesn't Hershey mm-hmm. bars? They still advertise. I know. It's like the Coke I, and Pepsi Coca-Cola. argument. I don't get it. It's because yeah. there's there's a general business principle that demands growth all the time. Mm-hmm. No stagnation. You can never plateau. You can never go down. Constant growth. That's capitalism, and that's how one guy is going to be sitting on top of a fucking pile of money soon enough. It, it's eleven mm. people for the entire world that's for like, now. Yeah, for yeah, for now. <laughs> eleven. And I think I think they're wimpy white guys. I think that's uh, the... a few, <laughs> most, <laughs> <laughs> all. I read something in an old interview of yours that really struck with me, which is that you used to like go into bathrooms and part Uh-oh. of your motivation for playing music <laughs> I don't like this. was trying to like you wanted to be one of those stickers you saw in the bathroom oh right and like i know this <laughs> this is like, okay yeah. all right everyone's like oh spun that well <laughs> oh, spun it good then he's talking about cocks again uh, um, again and uh, <laughs> and uh so that struck me because like for so many years, I used to go to clubs and do this, and I would go in a stall, and the little game I would play would be like, I would choose one sticker in there, and that would be the band I get to join. That would be like, <laughs> I'm like, all right, cool. I could be in less than Jake. Just cause It's not like I liked less than Jake. They just toured and made records, so mm-hmm. I was like, cool, had I could stickers. be in less than Jake. And had stickers. Like, and I loved <laughs> hearing that, because that's such... 
it's such an honest motivation for someone younger. You just want to be one of them. You just want to be a guy who's in something good enough that someone puts on a fucking bathroom stall. Mm, yeah. Which is awesome and pure, and I love that. And again, my long-winded questions is, <laughs> like, I'm curious what's, like, you're on the wall now. You've been on the wall for a long time, but you produce a lot of music and you obviously are completely focused on doing that so what are the new motivations oh um yeah that I, I did i did switch my after i managed to get onto the proverbial it's got a bathroom right? stall wall yeah um then i switched it over to um longevity on the short term i suppose of um just putting that the the goal the incentive of the record that you put out is that it will um afford you the opportunity to put out the next record so kind of like going record to record which is really kind of the way sure. i've been living for quite some time now in the sense that there's not there's not some other like residual checks coming in or some some kind of salaried monies coming in it really is i'm working from record to record and but i am right so that's great was there a time with cursive where things like i remember when you guys did that that mastodon tour and we're on all these kind of tours with like these bigger bands that were different i mean do you feel like that's something you guys would still do or are you more now kind of focused on like doing shorter tours with uh no yeah we are still open to those tours have been really interesting and uh who else was on that exciting was like against me yeah is great show. yeah mastodon and against me um, really These Arms Are Snakes was mm-hmm. on some of it. Right, right. Oh, yeah. oh, band was so good. I yeah. love that band. Yeah, that was the, the, the Roseland, there was a Roseland show. Planes, Mistaken for Stars, maybe was on some oh, of those okay. shows too. They're great band. These Arms Are Snakes were on the New York show. Yeah. yeah. With Against Me and Mastodon. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you guys also did that crazy tour I think I was there too. with uh, like Interpol and The Cure. Mm-hmm. That was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> right? That was so long ago, huh? Yeah, it was. That's um two thousand oh maybe two thousand four. Okay. I think Curiosa? No. Curiosa. Yeah, yeah. Curiosa. Mm-hmm. What was that like? Great. That was awesome. Yeah. I really uh like a high like a career highlight for sure. How many shows was was that like a full thing or was it just like- It was eleven shows, I wanna say. It was the West Coast. Okay. Um do you guys want? Do you guys want to get into like a little bit of snarky? Snarkies? Yes. Yeah. You guys like oh want, want some dirt? Well, yeah, it's taking this long. I was going to wonder if there was a road case filled with hockey jerseys. That was my next uh, question. There was. Um, <laughs> we were we were offered the whole tour, which obviously we would have loved to have taken. And that was even at the time we were just so far at the tail end of so way too much touring. But it was the cure, so it was like, okay, we will definitely do every show that we can get despite exhaustion just right. to to i mean i watched as an aside as a side note i watched the cure every single night like i never took it for granted um but um so we were offered the u.s we were offered the whole u.s and then it came back to us that um that actually there was a band that there was this new band and they were um and they're now being they're talking considering putting them on our slot for the east coast dates um and the way it was explained to us is that they were kind of like buying in 
And um, in that, so we couldn't really, it's like, sorry, there's nothing, you know, like, right. they're like, they're putting a lot into promotion and it's like, there's, our hands are tied. We kind of have to let them do that. And that's how Muse got to do the East Coast. Ah, man. That is good meat right there. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't Ooh. be saying stuff like that. Of course but. you should. <laughs> Solid <laughs> meat. The guys it's okay, they're doing awesome. Theory. They're great. Yeah, yeah, they're like on top of the world. Meat. Yeah, I mean, I guess in retrospect, that was like promotional money well spent. Yeah, I they've think done they really kind well of pulled that themselves. one off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at the time it was like a band that it was like, what are they called? Who are they? Yeah, yeah. And were, did you did you snub snicker at the idea of this group? You said Muse. I've, yeah, no, I've been I've, I, the chip's still on the shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> His <laughs> well, base is easy. an iPad. It's easy too because I'm just like not really into the band. So right, no disrespect, I guess necessarily. I just it's subjective. Whatever, I don't care for the music. Yeah, big whoop. So <laughs> I have a fun game <laughs> for us, Tim. So mm-hmm. I reached out earlier to a friend of yours. Okay. Asking not about dirt or anything, but just like, what do you think would be a cool question? And he was like, I don't really know how to do this. Well, I already gave away half of it because now you know it's a man. But uh, he's like, I don't know how to do this. I'm like, all right, let's play this game. You're in disguise and you can ask Tim one question. <laughs> what would it be? I was expecting something so the game is, I'm going to ask you the question. Mm-hmm. I'd like an answer to said okay. question. And then I would like a guess as to which of your friends was. posed this question. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So the text is... This is a segment we call Benny's Buddies. Yeah, Benny's Buddies. <laughs> well, all of mutual buddies. Um, okay. So the question is, okay, something that comes up more and more in life as I get older is the balance of holding and honoring relationships friendship romantic etc with writing songs that are extremely confessional personal in nature do you ever feel an apprehension while writing like oh how am i going to explain this or are you able to push it out of your mind and just deal with it when it comes um i definitely only half listened to this i was trying to figure out who the person is (laughs) but i think i heard the question yeah really i mean i guess really it's about like the older you get and the more relationships get trickier and songs are written in a personal way, how does like balancing those two worlds collide? And does it get mm-hmm. harder as you get older to write personal and confessional material? Uh, yeah, I think it does get harder. I think it gets harder as you get older because I think you start to feel with age comes like more responsibility of um, the relationships you have with your family and your loved ones. Uh, like when you're younger, maybe you can toss that you know, like maybe toss it aside a little bit or kind of like throw caution to the wind. Uh, but, you know, I think I, you get older and I think you kind of feel more of like that long haul of the people you're with. Mm. Um, I'm a big, unfortunately, having said that, I'm a believer in uh, in that, that uh, attitude. Of, I can't really remember who to attribute this to, uh, like what writers writers to attribute this to but um that you have to like abandon your family to be like to be a great writer you need Mm. to like not like i mean that's a harsh way to put it but you need to like completely like set aside any of your concerns or just that's like abandonment in the sense of maybe like emotionally abandon your loved ones to like be able to like write i don't know pure 
Is it the idea that if you're like thinking about protecting them at all, you just then can't write about them honestly? Yeah, then you're compromising what you write about. I mean, it's so, fucked I feel up, like but I you, can see it. I feel yes. like you, especially, are someone who's like, you know, we've talked about, you know, domestica and sort of like family reaction stuff. It seems like you have always sort of put yourself out there in that way. I do, but it, I think it, it is hard, and I don't. And uh, I, again, 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 I think, it, I think the, the question being as you get older, is it harder? And it's like, I think, yes, it does. It does get harder because, um, like, what was it our, like? like, our time on this planet is like my relationships with my family are getting closer because you kind of, don't you, do, you, do any of you start to have that feeling that, like, these are the these are the only ones that are going to be left on my deathbed. You know, <laughs> like you, yeah. like you, you you recognize the importance of of those people, and you don't really want to like you don't want to shit on them. You know, right? It sounds I mean, like you're writing stand up. You know, like literally, <laughs> like it's not like comedy. You have to be able to go. Someone's going to get upset. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. What was your mindset like when you were younger? Just more kind of. I think I certainly had. I think I certainly was able to. Um, I wasn't as concerned because I do believe in that philosophy that I said. Right. right. I do believe it. Does It doesn't mean I apply it. I don't apply it, but I believe it's true. And I wish I applied it kind of, you know, for like my time on earth. I would like to, you know, I want to be the best writer that I can. And I guess I'm just trying to, but I also don't want to like crush. I don't know. Like I have anything so awful to say about anybody. It's <laughs> well, not like that, you know, yeah. but. But it's an odd balance. I mean, I yeah. feel like. I feel like anybody who truly dedicates to something like that, it winds up being a semi-selfish path in weird ways. Like, I always uh, think about that when I'm reading some of these, like, autobiography of a yogi or, like, Krishnamurti, like, some of these thinkers and stuff. And I don't know if it's because of where I'm from, but I'm in the middle of these stories and I always go... Wait, didn't you have a fucking family in like Calcutta and like two kids and like all this oh. shit back there? And now you're just in like Switzerland with some other woman, like finding your self enlightenment. <laughs> like, good for you, asshole. But like, this is See, kind of like that's why you and I are together. Because I remember we had on the podcast Jonah's old yoga teacher. We had this conversation about Buddha, <laughs> Ralph yeah. Craig. Yeah, like yeah. Buddha, like Siddhartha said, "Fuck off to his wife and kid to go off and like oh. I'm going to find the cure for suffering." Yeah, but like you had a son, it's you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's and I was like, so Buddha's basically like, thanks, but dead be dead. So yeah, same. <laughs> so I sort of like appreciate an artist who does commit to something that hardcore because I'm with you. I'm like, functionally, this makes sense. Everybody needs to be on a platter if you're going to write honestly. But is that mm-hmm. like the right thing to do? There's like a moral equivalent to it. There is. There is a. Um having worked through all of this 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 uh problem there is the uh benefit of fiction mm, right that i think most writers can kind of get to shield themselves behind sure. and i do that too and um and uh i think that the loved ones in my life there's just kind of like this pretty unsaid understanding of uh we, we're not going to go into this or we're not going to talk you know like we mm. this isn't we're not going to mince or, you know, or like parse out like what I'm writing about. And, cause, uh, cause I think it can be damaging, um, to do that. You know, like if I had to felt like, what if I had to feel like I had to explain myself fully for every song I wrote? And what if it would I'm, suck. Yeah, and yeah. What if I don't I'm have me. to explain myself to anyone because nobody right. in my life, in my like close circle 
ex- it demands that of me. Mm-hmm. So no one's ever said, that was me, buddy. <laughs> oh no people have okay. but there are also people that aren't really like that i'm not probably not that close to you <laughs> and uh and they also oftentimes aren't even accurate they're not it's not true anyway or you know so what do you what, i don't know when i was younger i think i was a little bit more um I, I could apologize that i was a little bit more um careless with like some of the relationships i was in and stuff like that um but i don't know i don't that's it's it's not even really an issue for me at the moment because it's like i don't have i don't need to do that i'm not like I don't have like I don't again like I don't have like bad words to say about people right. like at least at the moment. So that's good. Yeah. Have you, <laughs> have you ever thought about writing fiction? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I you know I jump into it every now and then, but uh, I'm trying to stay focused with um I'm trying to stay focused with whenever I get excited about that I um I try to um push that energy into another script because I'm trying to keep on yeah. certain tracks. You yeah. Know? That's smart. smart. With your scripts, you writing them and selling them and opting them? Is that what's going on? Or um, you stacking I w- up a series? I would. Okay. Are you interested, Stephen? Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> no, definitely. Let me talk to uh, my literary agent. Two of my children here, ladies. <laughs> Does it have pictures? They would like. <laughs> I can definitely draw pictures. <laughs> or they could, how about even better? They could draw pictures. They do or, love to draw. Yeah. So, Tim, any clue where that question came from? Oh, right. Oh, yes, right. Back to right. It. So, it's, you know it's a man, uh-huh. and the way it was stated. It sounds like a songwriter. It's a songwriter. I wonder, you know what? I'm, can I guess? No. <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> you, you, you can guess after Tim. Bye. Well, I'm going to, this is going to sound like, I'm, this could be like, I'm going to go with somebody who, who we were hanging out with last night. That's who I was going to go okay, with. Okay, I'm going to say, I'm going to try Kevin Devine because it's a very heartfelt, it's very heartfelt. He's a very heartfelt guy. It seems like the type of insightful question he might ask. And because here we are in New York on the East Coast, and so I feel like that could be a mutual friend. It's a great guess. It's that was not, not a It's not. Yeah. Yeah, because we saw him last night. Because you know it's got to be someone that we both know, too. Kevin is one of those. Yeah. One of the few. But no, it's not. Wow. What did uh, you get? Is it what? Matt Pond? It's not Matt Pond. Could it be, like, Jeff Rickley? He's... Younger and cuter than all these people. Oh, wow. He has lovely long hair. I know who it is. <clears throat> he plays music perfectly oh. all the time. <laughs> um, <clears throat> what else? Easy. He hangs a flag of himself behind him oh, while Chris he performs. You put, you put, out, you put out a <laughs> split with him. Yeah. <laughs> so it was from the almighty Chris Ferry. Yeah. Gotcha. Who, I can see that. Who shaped this question for me in a tour yeah, van good. somewhere today. Good job, Chris. Yeah. So he, he was shaped that in between making blankets at Walmart. Does he make blankets? Yeah. Did he? When he was on, it was when he did all that stuff with that band where they made a blanket of, he made a blanket of himself oh, and then yeah. he made a blanket of them holding up his blanket and then they made oh a blanket of him holding up their blanket with it and it was like, it's like this insane. Funniest dude. God, his cool. persona is, it's really taken on such a hilarious it life. It really has. It sure has. Are you a big like social, like are you, do you check Twitter a lot? Are you, or are you not? It's like much to my chagrin, I do. Yeah. I find it, I find, I find my, I'm just irritated with myself that I do. Yeah. But. I saw that you're very, I mean, you seem to correspond a lot with like fans on there and answer all questions that come to you and stuff. So, I mean, there's a useful mm-hmm. part of that for sure. Yeah. And that's, a, you're right. That's a good reason to check it. Um, but I also find myself like keep telling yourself that. Yeah, right. I know. <laughs> I find myself also just like looking through all this stupid shit. Yeah, you know? and I just try not to. I try to keep it to a minimum. But 
has anyone won the free vinyl for life concert yet contest uh, yet uh i think that it's, it probably goes through today so oh my god yeah wait what is this contest Thursday, march 2nd yeah yeah wow. so can you explain not the contest yet um Benny? we yeah. did um yeah since this will be like probably in the future right yeah that we're talking of which we're in the future when now. will then be now um, <laughs> but today being march 2nd <laughs> is the last day of a so since so 15 passengers the label that we started right. And I came up with what I felt like was a pretty fun idea that since this is since this record is the first release that we're doing, uh, I said, why don't we do a fun little contest, which is win vinyl for life from 15 Passenger. So whoever, so we're just picking it out of like the pre-orders. Yeah, that was the prerequisites. You had to pre-order the record. Okay. And uh, yeah, so then we figure we'll just whoever wins it, we'll put a little sticky up on the wall over at 15p headquarters and every record that we produce manufacture send an extra one over to that person that's a great idea that's kind of fun i love it yeah it's like my i have a lifetime pass to david bazan shows you do yeah wow it's a laminate awesome yeah really yeah even house shows any show that isn't a festival or that he isn't there that he's headlining he has to be headlining uh, What'd you do to, what did you do to get this? Uh, they were giving one away a night, but then his manager just sent me one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but so yeah, you he, cheated. He was on a tour. <laughs> he was on a tour where every night he would give away one of them. Oh. Wow. wow. Very generous. That is. Yeah, it's it, considerate. It yeah. is pretty considerate. Hmm. It, yeah. Have you ever thought about doing the house show type thing? I had one of my favorite tours that I've done was me and Patrick Newberry, who's a musician friend that we've been playing. He does cursive and solo stuff with me. Um, we've been playing since like 2006 together. Uh, it was just him and I in his station wagon, and we did two weeks around the Midwest through um, that same, the management company, through Undertow. Okay, right. Um, so it was like call, living room up. shows, right? Um, which actually ended up being, you know, coffee shops and in the gallery galleries and but some actually like totally funny awesome living room shows too um it was a blast we had a great time uh we did three this will probably be the last time that i'll ever do a tour of three wisconsin i did three we did three shows in wisconsin wow how's that possible i know wait but it was so fun we loved it eau claire it was um it was Appleton is the that's the wing ding. It was Appleton, <laughs> Milwaukee and Madison. Wow. That's wild. Three Wisconsin shows. Yeah, isn't that great? You might be the only Actually, non-polka group who's ever done that. <laughs> now that I've said it, I want to I want to make a point to do it again. Yeah. Can Wisconsin. We, I, I want to wrap up with that, with the how can people find out about where you're showing the film? Oh, um well, I, I just keep up with me at, I guess, at 15passenger.com and timcasher.com and Facebook and stuff Record like that. Record label and production company. Yeah, I'm doing a wing. I figured, why not? I'll do a wing under that. Sure. That's just 15 Passenger film. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so we're going to, I mean, I'm going out. We're, we have the West Coast tour dates announced already, and we're going to announce some East Coast dates pretty soon for with the full band. And we'll do that through June. And uh, around that time, I'll start promoting 
to start to do it all over again, but with the movie for I think maybe hopefully like maybe September or something like that. Right on. Yeah, I'm stoked about it. Renaissance man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank nice you job. so much to a friend of the podcast, Tim Casher, for coming by. Uh, check out his new solo album, No Resolution. While you're at it, check out everything by Cursive and The Good Life and Slow Down Virginia and all of his amazing Omaha bands. Um, and he's on tour now. So uh, check him out. Definitely. I'll definitely be at the New York show, June 3rd at the Nating Factory. And uh, Tim Casher never, never disappoints as a musician or as a guest. It's a very good guest. Very good guest. Come on again. Yeah, Tim will definitely be on again. Um, Sam I Am. Sam I Am. Go see Sam I Am. Go see Sam I Am. Uh, Garwood, New Jersey at Crossroads, June 9th. Ticket Fly, June 10th. Headline to Chamonix Creek Brewery's Fiber Anniversary Party. Free show in Crowd and PA. It's free. Europe in July. If you're in Europe, go to that. Check out their <laughs> Facebook page, Sam I Am Fancy. Um, thank you to Pulse Music for letting us use their beautiful studio. In, in what area would that be? That's not Midtown. Is it Midtown? It's, I don't know. I'm sure that West the realtors 29th? have a name for it. Yeah. I don't know what it's called. It's like Macy. It's kind of, cl- well, it's not really. They're Herald yeah, Square. Yeah, Herald Square. Yeah, yeah. Herald Square area. Uh, Stephen Grawalski recorded this. Uh, check out Pulse Music if you want to record a podcast with Tim Casher. Um, it's a great spot to do <laughs> it. Uh, you can support this podcast by going to goingofftrack.com. You can also Venmo us at, goff tr- at off track. That will go straight to Brad's. Uh, gambling problem uh you can uh also leave us a good review on itunes tweet at us facebook we don't have an instagram but you can make one for us and i think that's pretty much it right yeah i think you covered all the bases covered all the bases we will be back next week with another podcast as we do every wednesday so until then goodbye love you love you (laughs) 